Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club, where each episode I try to convince you to watch one of the weird, wild, and wonderful horror films set in London. Season 2 is all about terror on the underground. When does a transportation system become more than just a way to move people around? I grew up in a city that only had a single bus system, so the public transport of North Carolina meant absolutely nothing to me. But who hasn't heard of the London Underground? It's the oldest underground system in the world, and the imagery of the underground, from individual tube stop signs to the map of the underground, are easily recognized throughout the world and are famous examples of design. The tube is more than just a system beneath the ground, it represents London itself. It is how tourists interact with and discover the city, It's a source of great pride and importance, and it's a part of London's history and even its empire. The symbolic power of the underground makes it an international success. It's at play in all of these ways and in more personal ones in today's episode, where we're exploring the 2002 horror fantasy Reign of Fire. This is a film essentially about Britain struggling to survive when dragons have been awakened on the London underground and taken over the country. And though the underground is not where most of the action takes place, it bookends the film as a site of grief, tragedy, and even empire toppling. And it's also, as we've seen in previous episodes, where evil lies dormant beneath the modern city. As I said, Reign of Fire is a story about dragons, but its central character is a human, Quinn, who loses his mother at the start of the film. And I think that the the episode that starts the film is really one of the first fears that the underground adds to the movie. So we begin at Tottenham Court Road Station while they're expanding it for the Elizabeth Line. The space is still recognizable as part of the underground system, and they're sort of widening various tunnels. And young Quinn goes through the depths of the underground, so we follow him in past the signs for Tottenham Court Road, down sort of almost mineshaft-like elevators, and into this underground space. So even before anything happens, you get the full-on, eerie, suffocating atmosphere of the tube. There's harsh lighting, deep shadows, no natural light, and the spaces are tight and confined, and the combination of sort of dark and enclosed does feel almost even gothic in the extreme lighting, but certainly suffocating. And that is incredibly important because this underground creates a trap for these people who then uncover a giant slumbering dragon as they're digging in the underground. This happens in the very first sort of scene of the film, so I promise I'm not giving anything important away. And basically what happens is while Quinn is visiting his mother somewhere else, they've dug up a section of the underground that awakes this sleeping dragon. And they literally now have nowhere to hide. In fact, it's amazing and almost seemingly impossible that Quinn survives because this dragon wakes up and you are in a series of tunnels that are essentially smaller than the dragon. So people, they can scatter, but where would they go? They're going deeper into the tunnels, making them trapped by the dragon, or they're desperately trying to get out. And when the dragon's breathing fire, of course, the tunnels make these impossible sort of fire shoots so that everybody dies, including Quinn's mother. And that's how we start the film, with this dramatic, tense, seeming inevitable death in the maze of the underground system. And that, from the very start, is what the underground adds to the fear of the film, is the space is 
terrifying. It's dangerous. And it also then is a traumatic memory for Quinn, who does survive, but sees his mother get crushed underneath the weight of a dragon as they're trying to escape upwards. So Quinn has literally seen, in the underground, the end of the world as he knows it. And then the film jumps ahead to now the dragons have taken over, and that's where the bulk of the film takes place. So you have a very sharp initial fear of the underground, but the the idea is really a, a sort of deeper horror one. It's not just, okay, this is a scary space, this is a tight space. It's a really common use, going back to something we've seen in other underground horror movies, where going into the underground unneaths a hidden or ignored past. So this dragon's obviously ancient, we associate it maybe with medieval times or even even longer in the past, and Reign of Fire, like other podcast episodes, like Quatermass in the Pit, we talked about like Deathline, digging into the underground actually a lot like Quatermass in the Pit, because that's literally, actually all of them, yes, all of them, digging into the underground, brings out the hidden and ignored past. And in this film, I think the, the addition it adds to it is making it deeply personal. So in Quatermass in the Pit, we saw sort of, a, you know, the, the humanity of the earth, or at the very least Britain, is, is sort of questioned and who we are underneath. In Deathline, it's very much sort of Victorian values at question, whereas Reign of Fire... Yes, has the generic sort of dragon and, and fear and, you know, the question of whether humanity is at the top, the apex of the food chain, and do we deserve to be running the world? But because Quinn is who we follow into the underground and it's Quinn's story we follow, the past is also deeply personal because in the underground and this dragon are associated with his mother's death. So this idea of the past bursting into the present in a blaze of pain and danger is what psychologists would call the return of the repressed. And the return of the repressed in Reign of Fire is very straightforward. The dragon stands in for Quinn's painful past of losing his mother because the dragon is what literally killed her. Now lots of people talk about the other potentially much bigger sort of story aspects of this is is the sleeping dragon something to do with English imperial history there's a solid argument for that made by people much more clever than I am there's there's a question about um, because the U.S. comes in as a dragon sort of Britain fighting against America in some way in the Americanization of Britain there are a lot of more political layers but I think if if you want to get to the heart of what makes this a movie that's a, a solid movie to watch something that that really focuses in on on horror, it's really Quinn. It's it's this individual's story. Because in order to defeat these dragon hordes and save the future of mankind, it is Quinn. It is him who has lost his mother who has to return to the spot where she died, face the pain of that loss, and kill the dragon in order to basically not just avenge his mother, but it's really face his grief. It's more about loss. And so I think I think the sort of heart of the film really lies in in the personal side of this very traditional horror trope on the underground. Now the film isn't subtle about this and we get at the climax of the film a small flashback where Quinn is standing at the Totten Court Road station only now it's no longer underground um, and he relives briefly this painful memory of the dragon coming to life at the station. So we know it already but the film really sort of hits you over the head with this. But ironically, the, the film climax on the underground doesn't happen underground. 
So due to what we assume is some sort of dragon destruction or layers of ash, the station is now at street level in the open air. We do know it's an underground station because of signage and because there's a sort of jackknifed tube car in the foreground. So we know we're sort of on the underground, but we're in a huge open air space. So you lose what was great about the terror the first bit. Now, in some ways, it is useful. It makes sense because dragons are really large, and if, you know, they're stuck in tunnels, much like um, if you the start of the movie, stuck in tunnels limits how much people can move, how much the dragons can move. You won't get sort of great expanses of wings. It's more visually interesting to have this open-air space. More places for the dragon to flee as Quinn and his military sort of weaponry and assistance try and attack the dragon. And so you can see more of what's going on. It makes it a bigger action sequence. But I think it also means you lose some of the danger, darkness, and suffocation of the underground. So I think the real star, even though the underground is an important in this story of, you know, return of the repressed, of going back to the past, of digging up the past, the real underground scene that that's, makes this film sort of about something interesting and that brings out the most fear, honestly, I think, in the film is that initial scene. There's plenty of symbolic significance to the underground, but the real horror connection moment of the underground is that first scene where people are trapped in this confined, dark, dangerous space underground. So we know if it collapses, they can't breathe. They're, they're buried alive with a monstrous dragon. And that's something we've seen throughout all of these horror films is, is there's, there's moments where you're trapped by and in the underground. So this is in some ways not the sort of world's most original horror movie for underground, but I think it coalesces a lot of what really has stood out over the course of all the decades of horror films since the 1960s, is that these are the sort of two points that, that seem to always survive in the stories of the underground, is that you're digging some into the past or into yourself somehow, and you have this really interesting, confined, terrifying maze-like space that because of the nature of what it is means that it in and of itself is dangerous. You could be buried alive at any moment. You can't get out very easily. There's sort of almost no escape or there's limited escape. And those are the real two points about what makes the underground frightening. So The Reign of Fire isn't necessarily the most subtle horror film doing this, but it does it well. It does it in a sort of entertaining and interesting way at the start. Now, as you follow through the film, I think it becomes almost more action-y. So I'll move naturally on from here. Not just is it a good underground film, so what makes it a great horror movie? Now, to start with, there is some debate about whether or not this film is classified as a horror movie. Over the past 40 years or so, directors and production houses have tried to shy away from the horror label. It got tied up very heavily with certain kinds of films, and particularly since... Um, George Romero's works and, and the 90s didn't help either with slasher films with gore with zombies and so it has a particular concept in the eyes of the audience and in the picture house and directors so that people uh, and, and even sort of very well respected directors making horror movies would try and keep the horror movie label away try to sell them as thrillers and I am definitely looking at you Stanley Kubrick Clockwork Orange is a horror movie I don't care how badly you try and pretend it's not um, but that being a good example, Reign of Fire tries really hard to push that it's fantasy. Sometimes people will call it a horror movie, it'll be filed in horror movies, but sometimes people call it sort of fantasy and thriller. However, there, there are sort of very reasonable debates about the shades of what horror movies are, but in the case of Reign of Fire, it is a very classic, straightforward monster movie. There's not really a lot to question. If you watch it after you've seen Jaws or King Kong or Godzilla, it's it's the same concept. Monster goes loose, people fight monster, 
maybe or maybe doesn't tell you more about humanity. But the, th- that's the sort of central horror movie cliche. And in some ways, I've already said, you know, Rain of Fire is a bit of a cliche underground movie. It's a cliche monster movie. It's exactly what you expect if you are someone who likes monster movies. The CGI aside, it is a very traditional classic horror monster movie. And so if you, you're asking sort of what makes this worth watching as a horror movie, it's because it is, it is, it is, how, how, how do I sort of explain this? It's like candy. You know, it's, it's that sweet hit of what you're looking for. It's gone in a couple of hours. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like Deathline. It's not going to, well, I would, the way Deathline was for me, it's not going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And sort of you constantly revisit it and watch it again and again and again. But it's, it is entertaining. It's what you want from a monster movie. You've got great dragons. They're scary. You have a few sort of good scary moments. You have a lot of tension. And you're, you, you're getting what you expect from a monster movie. This isn't going to be sort of, you know, deeply grotesque or ruinous. You're going to see lots of fire and effects and a big scary thing because it's a monster. And that's what makes it a horror movie or a classic monster movie. So it's solid. It's what you expect. I will be the first to warn you it is a little bit long. It needs 20 minutes cut from it and a tighter plot structure, particularly in the middle. Too much is going on with Quinn's character, and you if you tighten it, you can make this a more tense film, and you can, you can bring out more of the horror. There, I can see why they've kept some scenes that aren't really necessary in. They, they're trying to add sort of humor and dimension and flesh things out, but you don't, you don't really need it. It's, it's nonetheless a very well-acted monster movie, and that's maybe something it does have going for it. You have a likable main character on a noble quest, you have clear good and evil, you have the traditional monster movie, and it's done with someone like Christian Bale, with someone like Matthew McConaughey, so you're going to get very good performances. You're going to get sort of the, the good acting out of all of these traditional horror movie tropes. So it is worth watching in some sense for that. There's also a very hilarious sort of Star Wars scene. And, and you get some well-imagined dragons. I mean, that's the thing. If you're into monster movies, there are some very well-put-together dragons. You know, nothing, nothing wild or, or, or totally new. There's some subtle concepts about dragons and how they breed and stuff that, that is new or at least not familiar to me. But the actual dragon itself is kind of exactly, well, maybe not exactly what you picture, but it's, it's what you hope for in a dragon. It has all the things you hope for. There's a very lizard-like quality to it, almost dinosaur-like, definitely menacing, definitely threatening. The CGI is on point, so it, you know you, when you're watching it fly through the sky, you're not distracted by problems with the CGI. So, so you have a very compelling monster. And, and my favorite visual shot is of... The, these dragons doing things, there's like a burnt and crispy parliament that's become a dragon's nest, and you see parliament sort of, um, it, it's it's hard to describe, but instead of its normal towers, part of it's been destroyed, so it looks almost like stalactites or stalagmites, and there's something about it that mirrors the the edges and and the points of the dragon's wings, and so there's a beautiful sort of visual symmetry there, and so, so the visuals of the dragon end up paralleling the visuals of this sort of burnt and devastated land, and so they do the visual side of this really well. So you can go in to sort of sit back, relax, and enjoy some good monsters, some, some beautiful visual effects. The visual effects in this are definitely smashing. And if, if you're okay with that being what you get from a horror movie, it's fun. You know, you, you sit back, you enjoy, and you get these great visuals. You get a solid monster movie. You get some good acting. There's even some political commentary. So it isn't just, you know, super shallow. But, but if you're looking for lots of, like, horrifying jump scare moments, that's probably not what you're going to get for the film. 
there is some there are some well crafted scenes of tension dotted throughout the film, and 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 I'd say the start gives you that heart in your throat worry, but throughout the film it's more of of a sort of you know personal journey. It's definitely quieter emotionally than most horror films, and you you do see this in some other monster movies. King Kong is a good example. It has long stretches that are about sort of character building about the ethics of what they're doing, and then the monster attacks, and so you get you get the sort of tension you know high it's not really threat but you you see the sort of awe and wonder of something huge destroying things that man could never do and so i'd say it's more parallel with that kind of movie it's a pacing of like a 30s or 40s monster movie so you have lots of sort of more still moments more introspective moments about character and then you have scenes of awe at what a monster can do so, so you know, balance out your horror terror for those kind of expectations, or if that's something you enjoy, you'll really enjoy it. If you are looking for, you know, I'm I'm constantly at the edge of my seat, I'm, you know, my digging my fingernails into the sofa, maybe not this one. But I would say, at least try and watch the start of the film. I, I, I always end my episode with my favorite moment of the film, and unfortunately, I started with it because it is the underground scene of the movie. I, I think it is well-crafted and well-done. You start with very simply sort of following a boy down to see his mom. But there's the, the way they do the music, the way they keep the shot close on Quinn. You see a sort of really limited sense of the space. You feel a sense of eeriness. Moving into the underground, they do the lighting very well, that you get a sense of how tight and, and unpleasant the space is. And because you've gone into a film called Reign of Fire, you know they're not going to survive. So you're expecting everything that's going to happen. And and you get an immediate sympathy with Quinn, and so you feel smaller and unprepared for the dragon that they unleash. Because you are, you're, you're following a little boy, and you're about to have a massive dragon attack. And so you're not even at sort of adult level psychologically, filmically, it, it's lots of sort of small or tighter rather spaces and then camera tightening. And so something about it feels claustrophobic, feels threatening and leaves you feeling vulnerable. And that I think is what helps this scene so much is because once the dragon's awake and you get that burst, it feels like real tension and stress. Uh, I'm amazed how well they created the scene of being crushed. When, when you stick with Quinn and the, the mom, they're trying to go up in an elevator and, and the the, the actual elevator structure slowly crushes as the dragon collapses it around them. And because of the tightness of the space, because of the drama of the lighting of the space, there's, there's nowhere for you as the viewer, your eyes, your mind, your breath to go. It is dramatic, it's frightening, and it's tense. And it is the moment in the film that will have you holding your breath. So, so for that underground scene alone, I'd say this film really does something that is is what I think horror movies do really well is it creates an emotion in you that that you can't sort of escape and so you have to get through it and you get the catharsis of it when everything sort of goes horribly wrong. It's not the world's happiest catharsis, but you go, you've gotten you've survived like Quinn survived and it's just been ugh. and I, I think that makes it my favorite moment of the film. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you give Rain of Fire a shot if you think you'd enjoy it. And definitely at the very least Think of Quinn the next time you pass Tottenham Court Road Station. I'm Lauren Jane Barnett, and this is the London Horror Movie Club. <laughs>